let's move on to our next segment. By that, nope, I don't want to do that anyway. <laughs> All right. well, let's talk a little. <laughs> let's talk a little bit more to Dave, who sits to our left and your. No, I don't want to do that either. What am I doing? <laughs> this is fine. We got a lot of stuff for the cold open. Right <laughs> What's up? This is Luda. Hello and welcome to another episode of Brudacris, the show where we talk about two things and two things only, ludicrous and beer. As always, we are your rascally rabbits. I'm Jack Von Albany. And I'm Mike Proper. Mike, how you doing? Good. I feel like it's good to be back in the thick of it again. You know, we're really back in the grind. Yeah, you've cleaned yourself up nicely now that you're back in the primary timeline. This is true. This is exciting. Um, I, I did reunite with my wife, which was which was a, a conversation for sure. Yeah, that's tricky. So I, I, you know, I was gone a bit. She mentioned taking several lovers, which I thought was a little rushed, but... Um, you know, I understand I was gone and it was under mysterious circumstances. I, I'm not going to blame her. We're back together, uh, back with back with Ludacris, the dog, not the rapper, but the dog. So uh, it feels good to be back in the, in the primary timeline. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to have you back in the primary yeah. timeline. Yeah. How have you been, Jack? Oh, I've been pretty good. I'm adapting to this fall weather we have here now. It's true. Thanksgiving's just around the corner. It's it pretty is. exciting. I know. I love jacket season. I'm all about jackets, so I get to wear jackets again. You like jackets more than sweaters? I like them both. I like them in combination. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would love to live in a world where jackets are fine. I'm not trying to put down jackets. But if the weather could stay just sweater weather where you can be out in sweaters or sweatshirts, there is a difference. Uh, but if you can just be out in just sweaters with no additional jacket layer necessary... That feels real good. That sounds like a real good situation. That feels very East Coast to me. That yeah. feels like college campus in the Ivy League. And I'm just wandering around in my Harvard sweatshirt, yeah. inventing Facebook, that uh, kind of thing. Uh, Do you see recently that Facebook has rebranded, I guess is the way to put it. And now it's no longer Facebook. Now it's Facebook. Everything's all caps and, and like the, the letters are spread out. It's the same thing. Wow. But they went from the Facebook to Facebook, to Facebook! They're yelling now. I think so. That's how I read the huh. phone. It's a bold choice. Yeah. You don't see that much in branding these days. You don't see a lot of yelled names. You don't yeah. see like uh, Kazam or Kablam? What was that cleaner? Um, Kazam was the genie, so I don't think it's... Kablam was the Nickelodeon show. Kablam was the Nickelodeon show with Action League Now. Right? Kapow? There was definitely a, a household cleaner. I think it was Kachunk. Oh, you know what it was? It was... 409! That's what it was. <laughs> That's right. I okay. forgot about that. Oh, I guess back. This is why I'm back in the groove again. Back in the groove again. Back in the saddle. Speaking of back in the saddle, we're back in the saddle with guests. Yeah, well, not just the two of us. Well, we, the robot robot was here with us last week. Robot's around, but he's kind of... Yeah, he's, he's around, but I figured you... I didn't want to tell you, but he was... He definitely went on a date with your wife. Okay. Okay, okay. A date? I didn't get details. Okay. She picked him up. And then they drove off. That's all I know. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I can I can get past that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But as you mentioned, we do have the guests again. We do. It's good. 
And our, our guest today, he is actually one of my co-workers. This is not my full-time job as podcasting. It should be, though. God damn, it should be. Uh, but he is a beer enthusiast and a ludicrous listener and an overall friend of the pod. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Dave Sun. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And uh, I thought we were more co- co-people. Co-people. I guess co-workers works as well. Well, I mean, I didn't want to, like, co-worker and friend. I mean, I think friend is fair, too, right? Yeah, at that I, point. I think so. Yeah. yeah it's, it's been interesting listening to the podcast because I feel like I know more about Mike than he knows about me. And so hopefully now this uh, balances out a little bit. This is a very confessional type podcast, so we do want you to bear your soul. It is. Perfect. We're constantly talking about real emotional issues that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Like my lack of trust in my wife. That's, that's harsh, man. Yeah. And not only do we have a guest here, we also have a beer here. We have a beer? We have a beer. Again? A beer. All right. It's crazy. You'd think we would have run out by now, but it turns out they keep making beers. Oh, thank God. I was I was worried when I was gone, honestly. Um, because, you know, I, I think I talked about this last week, but, you know, in, in the other realm, uh, they were sort of, there was more like mead. They were mead heavy there. Ah. It's just like, I don't mind a good mead, but it's just, you know, it's going to be back to a good beer. I guess the good news is in that other realm, they're keeping the bees healthy. Yeah. Oh. We're not doing that. We're going to be out of mead real soon. I mean, the bees are everywhere there, and the rainforests are, are thankful for it. I think and the that, rainforests are affected by bees, right? Everything's affected by okay. bees indirectly. And actually, that's the important thing is that the goal of season two here is to promote bee health. Yes. Yeah. Get okay. yourself checked and promote bee health. Save those the are, bees. Those are two campaigns for season two. Save your health. Save yourself. Save the bees. Save the cheerleader. Save the world. <laughs> yes. Hey, what about our beer, though? Yeah, what about our beer? Mike, what do we have here today? Oh, I I bumped it. All right, let's look at our beer for today. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking a little bit later about a movie, and you can probably guess what that movie is by the name of the beer. Maybe. I don't know. But it's an IPA from an English-style IPA, I should say, from a a brewery up in Evanston, Illinois, which is just to the north of Chicago proper, and it's called Gate Crasher. So it's an English-style IPA, and... I'm going to read the description from the can. Please do. Gatecrasher gets into the sold-out show without a ticket. Cool. It doesn't have to shout for people to listen. It arrives fashionably late, but closes the place down. Our India Pale Ale stands apart from the bitter crowd and entices with bountiful, aromatic hops and a touch of malt sweetness, providing there's more than one way to crash a gate. Anyone have any good initial thoughts on this beer? Hmm. It smells nice. I like the smell. I have to say, it's pretty refreshing in terms of the world of hazy IPAs that yeah. we live in, that we're coming back to something more traditional in the IPA style. I'm ready to get past the hazies. I literally was just thinking about this this weekend. I was I had a lot of more classic West Coasty IPAs, yeah. and maybe one or two English-style ones. Really kind of swinging back the other direction. I still like a hazy from time sure. to time, but it's fun. I miss them. It's like reuniting with an old friend. Uh, maybe on the beach or a river? I figure some sort of fjord. Oh, okay. What's a fjord? A fjord? Yeah. A fjord is, I believe, a narrow waterway, okay. typically in Scandinavia. Okay, that makes sense. Norway has a lot of them. Nor- a lot more of- so on the West Coast. <laughs> the West Coast? Yeah. That's it's specific a- to the West Coast. Is this a real thing? Or is this- um, yeah, it is. Of yeah, course, it's a real thing. Yeah, okay. We've got a lot of fjords and a lot of fiats. Fiats. Makes sense. Okay. The only thing I know most about fjords is there's that Simpsons episode where it's... Um, like night boat, the crime solving boat, <laughs> and there's there's always a bay or an inlet or a fjord. That was a funny line. I like The Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, this beer, I think it's good. I, I, I remember like I haven't had I've had this before. 
probably haven't had it for three or four years now, maybe. The temperature's been around a while. And I think it kind of reminds me of our topic we'll talk about later. It's something that I remember liking a lot, and it's okay. I like it more than our, our primary topic later. I don't know why I'm being so cagey about this. But, um, it's, I don't know, I'm not loving this beer, to be perfectly honest. It's okay. Yeah, I wouldn't kick it out of bed, but I'm also not gonna go hunting it down. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 good. It's It does exactly what it says it's gonna do. Fits the description on the can. Maybe not the part about the parties, but the part about the taste. And, yeah, it's good. Yeah, if it's at a bar, I'll drink it. I'm not going to turn it down. I think it's nice because uh, it has kind of that bitterness of an IPA, but it does round out a little bit at the back end. But, That's true. Um, yeah, I like the beer. Nice choice, Mike. All right, thanks, guys. Pretty happy with it. Yeah, I happy like it. With the choice. More, more for the pun. All right, well, that's enough about the beer, I think we can say. But let's learn a little bit more about Dave. And Dave, this is a Ludicrous podcast, as you might be aware. What's your uh, what's your connection to Ludacris? What do you think about him? Yeah, I've, uh, I'm a big rap and hip-hop fan in general. Uh, I've been listening to Ludacris since uh, back for the first time, uh, progressed on to word of mouth. And then I kind of went in a dark phase where I just didn't really listen to Ludacris. But then I came back real hard listening to um, Theater of the Mind, which I thought was just a phenomenal album. But um, fun fact, in the sixth grade, I wrote a book report or a, a report and I did a presentation on rap music and its misconceptions and Ludacris actually was part of it because Growing Pains on Word of Mouth was about the struggle of growing up poor and as a uh, Asian American growing up in the north suburbs of Chicago I, I really related to that yeah. for some reason it really uh, resonated with me so that was that and then when I was a junior in college at Syracuse he performed at Cornell and me and my buddy Frankie Drove up there, slept on my friend's floor, and, and watched him perform Theater of the Mind. And so, oh, he did he did uh, the album. The, yeah, well, he didn't do the album, but he was touring. He for was that touring album. Theater okay. of the Mind at the time. So, yeah, he's a great performer, and I really enjoy his music. So, he's amazing live. He really is. He puts on a hell of a show. Yeah, he's a uh, very entertaining. The Cornell crowd, not so into him, but you know, Ivy we had a good time. Anyways. Ivy League yeah. jerks Ivy. walking around in their sweaters, <laughs> Sick sweaters, yeah. starting social networking sites, yeah, and. 15 years later, changing the branding. Yeah, I actually heard that Cornell is now Cornell! Yeah. Didn't know that until the other day. It's good to know that you're you're a uh, you're a Ludicrous scholar. You wrote a paper about rap and concluded Ludicrous. We're, we're just amateurs. You're, you're basically a pro. Yeah, I yeah. spent uh, my formative years studying up on Ludicrous very in-depth, so... Yeah, happy to be a part of the show finally. Yeah, I'm happy great. to have you on the long list of guests, far more qualified than we are. <laughs> yes. Which is, I think, every guest we've had so far. I think it's every guest other than the robot. Yeah. And even then. Even then, he can just look things up with his brain. Yeah, he's learning fast, yeah. I'm afraid. And, you know, I realized I uh, I went out of order a little bit in our, our show, but that's okay, because we went to talking about the beer of the week, but we're supposed to talk about your relationship to beer. Well, what's, what's with you and beer? Yeah, um, I've been a big beer fan since you know I could legally drink and even before that what yeah uh, just just a handful of beers okay. um but I would say in, that in my Europe or something yeah right? okay. I'm actually half Asian half European okay. so that works out cool, beautifully but I really got into craft beer when I was living out in Philadelphia and happened to make a wrong turn and I was with my ex-girlfriend at the time and she's like oh hey there's a brewery right around the corner and it's called Tired Hands and um that's when I was first introduced to a hazy IPA and I was like, holy shit, I had no idea beer could taste like this. It's so delicious. It's not like the traditional IPA. And 
<clears throat> from there, it just kind of snowballed. I went to my first beer release from them. Uh, the beer was Punch, which was a beautiful double I- or single IPA from them. And then it just spiraled out of control. I have a, a lawn chair in my trunk for beer releases. Uh, I collect and trade craft beer. Yeah, it's just become kind of a, a hobby of mine at this point. So. That's awesome. I, I didn't know you were you were that much of a connoisseur that you were like going to these big releases and yeah, I had to say some things for the podcast. Please, that I couldn't share with you at work. I appreciate Tried that. To, you know. yeah. What would you say is the crown jewel of your collection, if I may be so bold, or maybe one that you've already consumed but was the crown jewel? The crown jewel, I think, is just my favorite beer. Is actually. Bourbon County Vanilla Rye from 2014. And I got lucky enough when I was visiting back home that they did a release at Binnie's, just kind of a silent one. And I remember it was one per person. I got my one and I was sitting in the parking lot at Binnie's calling up everyone like, hey, uh, what are you guys doing? Are you close to the Dempster Binnie's? And, and trying to get them to tag along. But that is, um, that's probably my favorite beer that I've ever consumed. So Very nice. Yeah. I had a similar story actually to just the regular Bourbon County from 2016. I was out visiting my aunt and uncle for Easter. Just gonna have Easter dinner with the family. And I was out at the, I guess technically it would be the Frankfurt, Illinois Binnies. And clearly no one out there knew about Bourbon County because they still had something like 10 cases just sitting out and they still had a limit too. Wow. And I was like, it's at this point, it's the spring. It's been out for half a year. Yeah. Can I take a whole case? Because they're not moving. And they were weird about the two two bottle limits. So I grabbed two that day and went back and grabbed two the next day. They but still held, held you to the two limit. They held me Even to the two limit much. both times with different staff. <laughs> it's, yeah. funny, it's funny you say that because I've been by, there's a Binnie's in Orland Park, which is very close by to Frankfurt and I've seen on you know Black Friday and stuff like that where they where they do some of those big releases I've seen you know lines out the door for it so it's interesting you go you know three miles four miles south and that's that's the hot spot yeah it also may be something to do depends on I don't know when you went to go do it but I feel like craft beer has really eked more into the suburbs sure. over the past couple of years it's crazy how much craft beers have changed just in Chicago in yeah. even six seven years it's unbelievable. If you go to, uh, shout out to Beer Miscuous, good beer spot in Chicago. They have a map on their wall that's made to look like the CTA map, mm-hmm. but it's breweries. And on one wall, they have the picture of the original map. It's so different. Yeah, It's crazy how much they had to add since then. So, Yeah, I think time. Chicago per capita is the most craft brewers. That's and, true, yeah. And recently, Miller Coors is moving into town, too. So That's true. It's becoming uh, quite a hub for beer. So A lot of good stuff going on in Chicago. Yeah. And we, I think most of our beers we've had on the show have been from the greater Chicagoland area. That's including true. Today. Temperance is, like it says, Evanston. And it's named Temperance because it is a, it used to be a dry city. That's a little fun thing. So they're playing on that. Like the Temperance movement. That's I didn't fun. know that. Thanks, Mike. Evanston, a lot of people say, number one suburb in terms of when you're leaving the city, it's right there. Yeah. This is, a, what a transition. This is, <laughs> no, I'm going to let you keep, keep going. Prepare yourself, because number one suburb, how about we talk about our number one spots for the week? Okay. Whoa, don't slip up or get caught. Why not, man? I'm coming for that number one spot. All right. Woo! You guys like that transition? Yeah, it's pretty good. Sounds cool. good. I don't know about you guys, but I've got a couple number one spots. Mike, do you have a number one spot to kick us off? Uh, I do, but I don't want to go first. Okay. Do I want, want you to go, to go first, first, if All you don't right. mind. I've got a number one spot, and a spoiler alert a little bit on what we're going to be talking about later in the episode, but 
We're talking about a movie, and it was directed by a man named Paul Haggis. Actually written, directed, and produced by Paul Haggis. My number one spot is the food haggis. Okay. Specifically, haggis as a kind of late-night drunk food. Huge fan. When I was out in Edinburgh, this was a couple years ago, for Fringe, they have haggis everywhere. Like, every late-night, I guess they would call them a chippy, but any, like, late-night, like, drunk food spot, you can get haggis. Thai chili haggis was a very good option, but big fan of haggis in general, and especially when you're drunk, and you just need something to soak up some booze. A big, nasty, loose sausage is exactly what you want. For those who don't know what haggis yeah, I, is. Yeah, that, that would be... I was going to let you <laughs> oh, talk about okay. it and be like... I, 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 you know, I think... Going back to the Simpsons, I've heard, groundskeeper, I heard groundskeeper Willie mention it. But that's about as far as it goes, so please sure. <laughs> enlighten me. The, uh, I think the haggis you're going to get at uh, kind of a late-night chippy is going to be different than your traditional haggis. Traditionally, it is the sheep, liver, heart... And lungs, all chopped up with oats and, you know, a bunch of fillers. It's like a traditional British savory pudding kind of sausage. Got the hearts in there? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all ground up. You wouldn't know. It just tastes like ground meat. It's really good. Into a sausage, though. Well, traditionally, it's all stuffed into the interior of the stomach and then boiled. Oh, yeah. But if you get it at, you know, if you're getting it late at night, it's not going to be cut open from a sheep's stomach or something like that. It's just going to come in kind of a tube form. Normally it's breaded. Do they serve it in a bun of some sort, or is it just... Normally it just comes as is because it's breaded when you get it late at night, but I, traditionally it would be served with what the Scots call neeps and tatties, which is turnips and potatoes. So just kind of mashed up. It's good. Honestly, it's really good. It's very... It tastes very Midwest. It's essentially the Scottish version of, like, meatloaf and potatoes, kind of. Okay. I don't know about that. It's, I'd be to give a shot. I mean, yeah. I'll try it for sure, but... It, it's firmly in the camp of foods where if you try it and don't know what you're trying, a la head cheese, you yeah. probably would like it. But if you someone tells you what it is beforehand and then you try it, mm. not so much. Also, uh, lengua I would put up there, too, is another the tongue, one. Tongue, right? Yeah, beef tongue. Yeah. Great on a taco. Great in general, yeah. but a lot of people don't like it. But you got to try Rocky Mountain oysters. It's not a trick. I haven't tried them. I would. I haven't tried them. I've heard they're just okay. I've yeah. heard it's mostly just... A fried batter delivery system. Yeah, it's balls, guys. Balls. Big old balls. Big old balls. Big old balls. Big and big bad. Big 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 balls. Balls. All right, well, I can go next in my number one spot. Please do. Um, You know what? I was kind of jumping around something. You know what my number one spot is this week? It is... This is a concept that I feel like I'm coining now, and I'm okay with that. It is a... Your self-imposed... That's not the right word. Your... Okay. Here's what it's called, guys. It's your subconscious road trip checkpoints. This is my number one spot. So what does that mean? What is he talking about? My, my wife's family is from Detroit, and so we go back fair amount. It's the same route every time. We take I-94 from Chicago to Detroit, and there's get off some roads along the way. But the there's always these checkpoints along the way that help me kind of get my bearings and know where I'm going. So uh, there's Checkpoint Indiana, and that's when we first cross the border in Indiana. And then there's Checkpoint Taco Bell. And at, at exit 19, there's a Taco Bell we go to quite a bit. And then there's Checkpoint Michigan, which is just over the border. And then there is Checkpoint, this isn't this is this isn't a good of a name, it's Checkpoint 196. It's the highway that goes up to Grand Rapids. Well, sometimes we go to Grand Rapids, we're gonna pass that. And then there's Checkpoint Bells, which is Kalamazoo. And then there's uh, Checkpoint Kellogg's, which is Battle Creek, Michigan. And then there's Checkpoint Prison, which is Jackson, Michigan. 
Uh, there's a prison there. And then there's Checkpoint um, uh, Wolverines, which is Ann Arbor. And after that, it's kind of, that's the end of the checkpoints. But I, 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 I've kind of like always thought of those as the checkpoints, but I've since named them. And so those are my, my, my I like, I like kind of having that to help me know how far I am in my journey. I like that. It's definitely, I do that. Yeah. I just never really thought about it or named it, but you're right. Uh, I used to do that going from Chicago to Columbia, Missouri for sure. the University of Missouri when I was in college. And Springfield, Illinois was always a big one because you're Checkpoint Lincoln. halfway to St. Louis. So Checkpoint Lincoln. Yep. Then you hit St. Louis. Checkpoint Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> And then you hit Columbia, Missouri, and you're there. So it's really just those... But still. You don't really need that many checkpoints. Yeah. Uh, I guess there's also a checkpoint big hill. There's one big hill. In an otherwise very flat drive, there's one big hill, uh, and that means you're extremely close. You're only like, you know, 15 miles. I love checkpoint big hill. Like, when you cross that... Checkpoint big hill. amazing. Pretty great. Yeah. Sometimes your ears pop. Pretty exciting. Because of the hill? (laughs) It's a big hill. I wasn't lying. If it was not a big hill, it would have just been checkpoint. I didn't realize you drive over the hill. I was thinking... You look out the side of the road, and there's a hill, and you're like, oh, there's a hill. I'm almost to Columbia. Nah, that would be Checkpoint Mound. <laughs> okay. I, for I, me, I only call them a hill if I go over them. Yeah. It's a mound. Okay. That's my policy. Do you have, do you have any like checkpoints you think of, any road trips? Yeah. I mean, before I get into that, I have to say, Checkpoint Taco Bell is a really risky checkpoint. And it is funny, because I just did that drive up to Ann Arbor, yeah. so I could kind of visualize that. I'm the kind of person that follows a GPS blindly. Okay. And uh, is really into the music while I'm driving. The only drive that really reoccurs to me is when I used to drive up to Syracuse and back. And the only thing I remember from that is Angola, which is, I think, just outside of Syracuse. And it just stuck out to me, because I was like, I'm not in Africa, I'm in yeah. Syracuse, New York. And there's a McDonald's. And a tchotchke shop, and that's all I remember of my mental checkpoints. That's a hell of a checkpoint. Yeah, cool. That's fun. I like that. Never thought about it. Glad to have a name for it. Glad to. And it took me a while to name it, but we got there. I already forgot what the name was. Uh, Subconscious checkpoints. checkpoints. Yeah, subconscious road trip checkpoints. Subconscious road trip checkpoints. SRCs. That's kind of a tongue twister. Subconscious road. Well, it's trip SRCs. Road trip checkpoints. SRCs. SRCs. Yeah. yeah, I like SRCs. Hey, if we could SRCs, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. Am I right? <laughs> Uh, Dave, what's your number one spot? Oh, man, I have to say that this is what I was really mulling over for the last, like, two weeks, just trying to come up with something. As Jack alluded to, the the weather is changing, it's getting colder, which means one thing for beer, it is stout season. Mm -hmm. And I know Mike, you don't like stout so much, but uh, for me, it's a really exciting time. And I did a quick survey of Chicago breweries and to see all the different stouts that are coming out. So just to rattle off a few, Corridor, yes. Smiling, Smiling Shadows, Half Acre, Benthic, Goose Island, Bourbon County, Cruz Blanca put out some. But my number one spot goes to actually me winning the rights to buy a beer at Side Project at Checkpoint uh, St. Louis. Okay. Checkpoint, 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 checkpoint bummer. bummer. Check- <laughs> 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 or yeah. Checkpoint Cool in Arch. Yeah, Either exactly. one works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're releasing a beer called Beer Barrel Time. It's a non adjunct barrel aged stout that's pretty highly acclaimed. I've never been to Side Project Brewing. Um, so I'm really stoked to go. And four of my other buddies also won. So we're going to make a little road trip out of it after Thanksgiving and uh, pick up our beers and crush a bunch of beers at their their cellar. So my number one spot goes to Side Project and their beautiful release because I finally want a beer from them. That's awesome. Very nice. Yeah. That was some very good 
number one spot synergy between oh, yeah. you and Mike. That's great. I think you can haggis on the way. You could. <laughs> we'll I don't know where you'll get it. Yeah, we'll talk about. Actually, fun weird thing about that, you can't get traditional haggis in the US. It's illegal because it's illegal to put to sheep's grind lungs. up hearts. But the hearts are totally fine. Oh. It's the lungs. Oh. It's illegal to put sheep's lungs in things meant for consumption in the US. Even though there's no evidence that it leads to any sort of issues, God. it's a big superstition. When is Congress going to get off their ass and change that law? Yeah, that's the thing. We need to change our lung laws. Yeah. You know, what's the opposite of pro? Anti? No, con. Uh, con. And what's the opposite of progress? Congress. Ah, wordplay. <laughs> that's fun. It is fun. That's a lot of fun. I hate these clowns. I like clowns, not big on Congress. Yeah, the clown, I meant the clowns in Congress. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But anyway, those are some good number one spots, but I'm tired. <laughs> so, let's take, <laughs> so, so let's take a break. All right, we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Bruticris. And our main topic today, it's a doozy. It's a movie that co-stars, you guessed it, Ludicrous. And it's a film that came out in 2004, 2005 called Crash. And why don't we listen to the trailer right now? All right, I'll play it now. It's a long one. It's the sense of touch. Any real city, you walk, you know, you brush past people, people bump into you. In L.A., nobody touches you. We're always behind this metal and glass. How far can bullets go? You thinking about that bullet that came through your window? What's wrong? You all right? I am angry all the time, and I don't know why. Put your hands on top of your head, ma'am. Well, you just do what he says. Now, do you have any guns or knives or anything I might get stuck with? Your brother's file. Kid's going away for life for stealing a car. All I need to do to make this disappear is to frame a potentially innocent man. Did you find your brother? Oh. Tell him to come home. Why do you keep everybody a certain distance, huh? Well, she starts to feel something in panic. What I need is a husband who will not just what did you want me to do? Get us both shot? Get out of the car! Give me the keys! I just had a gun pointed in my face. And it was my fault because I knew it was going to happen. Hands in plain sight, step out of the vehicle. Follow! Honey, stay inside! Man, don't walk up on me! I know this man! Get back! Now you're You think you know who you are? You have no idea. Conversation with God, huh? What did God say? I'm trying to help you. I didn't ask for your help, did I? It's okay, Daddy. I'll protect you. It's the sense of touch. I think we miss that touch so much that we crash into each other just so we can feel something. Something else, honey? People, man. People. So that's Crash. 
That's and a long ass trailer. That's a long trailer. I feel like I saw the entire movie yeah. within that trailer. It didn't remind me of things I want to talk about, so I'm glad we, we watched it. But so, what is there to say about Crash? There's a lot to say, I feel like. But yeah, like, fuck this movie. <laughs> this movie sucks. I cannot believe that this one best picture. I have never been more mad at a movie, and I'm including Lil Pimp. Yeah. I was so mad watching Lil Pimp. And then I watched this and I was like, never mind, Lil Pimp's great. Lil Pimp should have been nominated in place of this movie because at least it delivered on what it said it was going to do. You know, it's funny to reflect on it because this came out in, like we said, 2005. I saw it in 2005 when it came out. I saw it in theaters. I remember this. I was 19 or 20 at the time and I remember really liking it a lot when I first saw it. I think I might have owned it on DVD, possibly. (laughs) And... Rewatching it, I you know I think there's a there's a certain stigma about it now, and I I wanted to make sure I went into it not trying to you know buy into the kind of the negativity around it since then and trying to look at it really with an objective lens. But I'm I, I, you know not just saying oh well because everyone's pissed that it won the best picture that it maybe maybe it was still okay. I'm with you. It's pretty brutal. It is a pretty bad movie. I don't know, Dave. What do you what do you think about it? Opening thoughts. Well. When I first started watching it, I was like, ah, I think Proper set me up because it starts off with an Asian woman crashing her car. <laughs> sure. like, God damn it, Mike, set me up. But uh, I'm with you guys where it was just such a blatant attempt to almost trigger people yeah. and to get that kind of reaction. And you saw it in the trailer and you heard it in the trailer where it's just like one thing after the next. And yeah, it's pretty prevalent or might be prevalent in some parts of the United States, but it, it felt uh, very forced. Yeah. To me, so yeah, it was a it was a tough watch. Yeah, it's ham-fisted emotional pornography is the only way that I can put it. Actually, no, I've got a better way to put it. Because honestly, what this movie felt like to me was love actually, but instead of Christmas, it's racism. It's just a bunch of should be called hate actually. Sure. Is what it should be called, because that's really all it is. It's like, oh, instead of oh, everyone does crazy things for love around Christmas, instead it's oh, everyone's secretly racist also around Christmas. Yeah. Well, true. And some people not that secretly in this either. But yes, everyone, you know, everyone is is very racist. And I'm not saying this movie is, you know, untruthful in that regard. That there, this isn't, not that any of these scenarios don't happen and they do. And it's and racism is a, is a hugely systemic problem in this country. But this is just, if you took any, like, negative thing in this country and just consolidated this into, like, a three foot by three foot radius and cram it into everyone's like brain. That's what Crash is kind of like. Yeah, and I think you hit on an important point that this movie does not deal with because my critique of this movie is not that it's too, too serious about racism. It's that it is wrong about it in the sense that it doesn't treat it as a systemic problem and instead treats it as an individual problem where everyone just goes through and it's like, oh, I... I was racist, but oh, then I fell down the stairs and my housekeeper was nice to me. So now I am no longer racist and doesn't deal with the systems of inequality that continue to perpetuate racism in the country. It is a fucking trash movie. I'm still so heated about it. That's funny that you bring up the scene where Sandra Bullock, who really thought she was getting an Oscar for this one. uh, She 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 really digs into this role uh, that she falls down the stairs and it's her housekeeper that helps her. And it's not even really shown to. You see this really poorly shot 
Uh, that scene, I'll say, really poorly shot. I think it's a relatively good-looking movie in general. But that scene sucks. You just That's, see her throw a cordless phone. Yeah, it's and bullshit. then, like, slow-mo fall. And then you don't see her actually being taken care of by her housekeeper. She is later calls her hun- husband, Brendan Fraser, and say and says that her housekeeper helped her out. But there's this, this, this line that is so just degrading and disrespectful where, she, you know, the, the housekeeper helps her into bed and she says to her, you know, you're going to find it funny, but you're my best friend in the world. Like, why does she have to preface it by that you're going to find it funny? That'd be such a hilarious thing that her best friend would be her housekeeper. I fully expected her to go, like, awkward suburban dad at a Mexican restaurant and just be like, gracias. (laughs) And it would have been so on the nose for this on the nose movie of just, well, it's fine. We can solve racism if everyone's nicer. Just a quick summary of the movie because the trailer doesn't tell you shit. The whole thing has kind of a an interwoven narrative where there are all these different pieces and at the end of the movie you find out that everyone's somehow connected. So you've got, very briefly, Don Cheadle is a cop. He is sleeping with his partner. Uh, He has a brother who is missing. His mom is a drug addict. And at one point, while he's having sex with his partner, they get into a thing, much like anything in this movie, where it becomes a racial thing. And that's one storyline. There's a separate storyline about a cop who accidentally shoots another cop because they're both in plain clothes. There's a racial component to that. Uh, Terrence Howard and Tandy Newton are a couple. They're driving home. There is some, pun intended, auto fellatio going on. And not auto fellatio, but fellatio no, in an yeah, auto. Make sure you yeah. get this clear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some good old roadhead going on. And they get pulled over by Matt Dillon, who is a racist cop, and his partner is Ryan Phillippe. Matt Dillon sexually assaults Tandy Newton. Terrence Howard is, as a black man being arrested by a white cop, just trying to get out of the interaction without something terrible happening. That becomes a big fight between the couple. Jesus Christ, there's so much in this fucking movie. Sandra Bullock uh, and Brendan Fraser get mugged by Ludacris and his partner after a dialogue Lorenz, about racism. Lorenz Tate. Uh, I'm glad you knew uh, Lorenz Tate. From Dead Presidents, a great yeah. movie. And, uh, and they get mugged, and then she says some racist shit, and so then Michael Pena's character, who is a locksmith changing their locks, overhears it, goes home, sees his daughter, who's been traumatized by a previous bullet incident. There's a whole thing. There's also a shopkeeper and his family. This Ugh. fucking movie. <laughs> you cannot summarize it, but there's a whole thing then where there's a shopkeeper who, uh, he's of Persian descent, and they have a kind of convenience store. They have an issue with the door, and they insinuate that there had been a previous robbery. He buys a gun from a racist gun dealer. Shocker. They have a gun. They get... They need the door fixed. They call Michael Pena's locksmith character. He fixes the lock, replaces it, but then says, the problem's not with the lock, the problem's with the door. Another giant racial blow-up happens, and then their store gets broken into and defaced, and a lot of horrible racist shit is written on the walls. He goes and tries to shoot Michael Pena's character as revenge. revenge. Because insurance won't cover it. Seems like that's an issue with insurance. Just, Just saying... Uh, the whole thing is a clusterfuck of faux emotional moments that are totally unearned. And Tony Danza's in it. 
Tony Danza's in it, also is a racist. Everyone in this fucking movie is racist. Just except maybe Michael Pena. Except maybe Michael Pena. Just imagine he might be though. We, we just he didn't say it. Yeah, just think about go next time you're on your way to work. Look at all the people who are on their commute. Pretend all of them are openly racist. You have seen Crash. Save yourself some time. So that's the summary. I'm gonna try to cool. I'm gonna cool off. I'm gonna take a step. I'm gonna cool off and let you guys talk. Well, you know, th- this is funny because I think this is one that a lot of the characters get redemption arcs that are so unearned. You know, like Matt Dillon's character is is maybe the most blatantly racist. Well, you know, there's a lot of it, so I don't know. But he he's up there. He's also also fully sexual assaults a woman oh, at the yeah. beginning of the movie. Yeah, and and they just basically they let that. Um, you know, fall to the wayside or, or let him off the hook on that, I guess I should say, uh, because he ends up later and in the craziest coincidence ever saving Tandy Newton's character, who he sexually assaults, from a car wreck in a uh, exploding car. And it, and then she, like, looks back at him and, and, and like, in, in, in my, you know, estimation of it is, is, like, in a forgiving way, you know, well, you know, you did this to me, but then you saved me, so we're cool now. Yeah. And it, maybe I'm reading that too much, but she clearly, like, no, they. It's clearly framed as if it is some sort of redemptive moment where all of a sudden, no, everything is forgiven. It's like no, he fully sexually assaulted yeah. this woman, presumably twenty four hours before, yeah. if that. It's outrageous, and I think it's real telling because they use that image of him embracing her as the poster of yeah. the movie. Yeah, it's, oh, it's all it's all okay now. Well, let's move on from that. And yeah. I mean, that's maybe not too surprising that sexual assault gets. Redeemed, I guess, in the end, because Paul Haggis is famously me too'd. So, yep, yep. And writer and director, I guess he's uh, he was on. I'm not saying he's on board, but he was Ryan he, Phillippe also. Oh, I didn't since, know that. Uh, just very recently came out in a civil suit that he um, allegedly, in air quotes, uh, threw his ex-wife or girlfriend down a flight of stairs and beat the shit out of her. So he's a piece of shit too. Sure. Just a lot of pieces of shit in this movie. One one who is not a piece of shit and maybe one of the best performances in the movie. Chris Ludacris Bridges. He, he's pretty good, and I, I, you know, I think I rewatching this again. I remember watching this initially, thinking that he didn't really hold his own too well. And I'm not, you know, he's not a professional actor. Like he's he's charismatic and he's strong in, in a lot of the stuff he's done. And I think especially the kind of lighter movies, like the Fast and the Furious movies. I mean, he just stands out as being such a great presence. Here, I, I think I remember initially thinking, yeah, he kind of seemed a little stiff, but. Rewatching it, I think he's good. I think he's, you know, I, I, you know, I think some of the better actors in here have worse performances than him. Yeah, I think he does a lot with this dog shit script he was handed. Sure. Because you you mentioned earlier that they all have these redemption arcs that don't feel earned because they aren't earned because there's no characterization. These are all like static after school special characters. They have no real personality. They just have like. One defining characteristic, which is this person's racist against X race yeah. or all the races. Yeah. That's most of it. Every scene immediately blows up into some sort of racial incident. Like the second or third sentence by the first character to speak, it goes from like, oh, hello, how are you? I'm good. I would like to buy these nails. Like, oh, these nails are on sale. And then the third line is always like, it's got to be like that with you people or yeah. something like that. It comes out of fucking nowhere. It's totally unearned, and we don't learn anything about the characters other than that they're all pieces of shit. Yeah. And only the white people... I shouldn't say that. Not only the white people, but all the white people in this movie 
get redemption arcs, not all the other characters. Or, or, uh, when people get redemption arcs, or there's like Ryan Phillippe's character who comes initially across as the more, um, I won't say progressive character, but he's clearly turned off by Matt Dillon's, uh, it's Matt Dillon, right? That's his name? It's Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon's behavior. uh, And he tries to get transferred out of his partnership with him. And then he ends up being the one who, um, you know, he... Uh, a such a terrible common problem in this country. He's a police officer that kills an unarmed black man. Um, first, uh, in a terrible, horrible, depressing scene. Which uh, also comes out of nowhere. It also comes out of nowhere completely. As far as just like a, a scripting standpoint, terrible. But, you know, he's, you know, he, I don't know what the opposite of redemption is, but he falls from grace. But even then, uh, he's let off the hook. Like he's not going to have any sort of rep- repercussions no, for this. He gets he's, away with murder. Yeah. And he also kind of has a redemption for not saying anything in that first scene yeah. when he runs into Terrence Howard in the middle of the movie. Right. And you're like, oh, okay, he gets kind of a thing where he stands up and then he ends up shooting a guy. Like, yeah. it's just fucking set piece after set piece. Yeah. And that all happens within, I mean, he shoots the guy within a matter of like five minutes into it. Yeah. Like, yeah. they did no build into what was actually going on except for, you know, there's a slight confrontation. He kicks him out of the car and then he ends up shooting him. Right. Like, also, that they both have this little St. Christopher sticky things. Yeah. It's a St. Christopher. I don't know. But very, like, pointing... It is St. Christopher. Is it? He's the patron saint of travelers. Okay. Artists. But, oh, God. And then I just... You know, I, I kind of like these these types of movies, though. Um, I think you saw them around, a lot around this time. I think it was referred to as like hyperlink cinema, where all these different stories and they, they people characters coming in and out of each other's stories and cross paths. And you know, Magnolia by Paul Thomas Anderson, similar in, in that regard. And one of my, I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. And uh, you know, Shortcuts is another one. But was it Amores Peros? Amores Peros, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a great one. You know, I, it's one of the things like. Even how people cross paths, it sounds. It just seems still more forced in this than a lot of those other movies. That, that's a long way of what I was getting to. Everything seems forced. No one can have a simple motivation. Even there's a guy who gets hit by a car while Ludacris and his partner are driving. Yeah. And he gets trapped under their van. They drop him off at a hospital. There's a scene where his wife, who we've previously seen to be very racist against Latinos... Runs in, but also treated as a like a total like racist stereotype in the movie too. One hundred percent, and is completely discriminated against by police officers in the movie too as well. One hundred percent, and that's part of the issue with the movie too. Is it's like, oh, we're gonna deconstruct all these stereotypes. They're not true, but also we're gonna play into all of them. Yeah. So all these white people can leave the theater and pat themselves on the back and be like, you know what? I knew racism was bad, and this proved it to me. I know racism's bad. I mean, Ludacris is the prime example of that, right? Yeah. He preaches about the anti-black stereotype, and then they feed him right into right. that black yeah. stereotype yeah. from you know the get-go. And it's I thought his character was entertaining to watch uh, at a very surface level, mm-hmm. but again, it was very forced, and he's trying to be very philosophical sure. about being the stereotype. And I don't know. Yeah, was, he does a good again. He does a good job in the script, and I think he conveys some more nuanced emotion than a lot of the actors do in this. There are a lot of performances that are questionable as hell. I I think there's some other good performances in in this, though. Yeah, I think think Terrence Howard's very good in this. I think Terrence Howard's really good. I think Tandy Newton's really good. I I don't... Michael Pena? Yeah, I thought he was... Michael Pena, I think, is... He's maybe the only not racist character in this entire thing. Did he have a racist moment? No. No, I don't think so. 
No. He's actually a very patient person through the entire I also think just his arc is the only arc that rewatching it that I found really interesting and engaging. I mean, other things at times in and out, Ludacris a little bit at different times in and out, but I thought that his whole story and I mean it's it's such a, like a dumb twist where it appears that his daughter gets shot and it turns out to be that the bullets that his the the shop owner's daughter bought at the beginning were blanks and you find that out later. It, it's all a little it's totally okay. ham fisted, like you said earlier. It's fucking insane <laughs> but I found it to be I, I think it paid off because I think the scene with his daughter when he first comes back from that first job and talks about the magic cloak and things like that I just thought that was a great performance by him and I think it was just it was a cute story and it, it paid off in a way that a lot of other stuff did not yeah I think that's fair I think it's fair and sorry just to digress slightly because we teased it and then we never finished it but there's uh, the woman whose husband is hit by a car she shows up at the hospital and then it turns out that her husband has a check that needs to be cashed. Ludacris takes the van from earlier in the movie that he had, drives it to a chop shop. It's filled with, I think they say Cambodian. China. Well, they yeah, they for sure. <laughs> I'm about to say that. Yeah, you're allowed. Yeah, you're allowed to say that. They for go sure go for it. Go on, go, go off, King. I think that's what I was invited here for. Yeah, right? Chinaman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they imply that they are being human trafficked. So that guy who you felt bad for earlier, oh no, not supposed to feel bad for him because he's trafficking people. Was that? I was curious about that because the woman, the his wife, who is uh, in the car accident, who hits Don Cheadle's car in the opening scene, claims that she's an immigration lawyer. So I was curious if we're meant to believe that he was helping these people somehow they say in the chop shop scene that they're chained to the van or they're handcuffed into the van okay. which i don't think you do for people <laughs> who are fair enough you're trying to help emigrate legally that seems like a thing you do when you're selling people into slavery yeah not great no no uh so a few other notes i have just because uh, i think we're past like the main yeah block. i'm done talking about yeah. this fucking thing um well, I guess not. so. I, I guess the thesis statement Don Cheadle gives at the beginning is just fucking hilarious. His whole monologue about how LA is not like other cities. Other cities, you bump into each other and you get that human connection. But in LA, they're just driving everywhere, so we just crash into each other just to feel something. That was fun. Ludacris and his partner Lawrence Tate they complain at the beginning. They are um, they were getting dinner. And then they, after that, they go and they carjack Sandra Bullock and Brendan Fraser. But the <laughs> ludicrous says, uh, "Do you see any other uh, any of the white people in here waiting an hour and a half for a plate of spaghetti?" And then he says uh, something about how uh, he was waiting for he was not getting the amount of coffee he wanted. Spaghetti and coffee together is fucking disgusting, Ludacris. And I should blame Ludacris for that. I should blame Paul Haggis. Like, you could have said anything else. You could have said another beer or something. But spaghetti and coffee? Get the hell out of here with I that. I just think he was trying to keep some energy up. You got the instant energy from the coffee. True. You got the quick burn carbs. And I'm assuming it's probably... If spaghetti is probably a meaty marinara. So you've got some more kind of like longer term fats and stuff to burn some energy. Ludacris <laughs> likes this. He's all about hitting his macros. And that's all he's trying to do is drink some coffee, low calorie, and then some carbs and some fats, baby. Okay. It's, it's very Italian of him, too. Coffee sure. and pasta, you know? Is that espresso a... and coffee? Yeah, okay. And, all right. and actually, I, I heard there was a, a scene cut from this movie where there's an Italian man talking to Ludacris, and then immediately he breaks out into a Mario-esque Italian oh, accent. Yeah. And then Ludacris calls him a racist, and then he calls Ludacris a racist. 
And then that man uh, drops his spaghetti on Sandra Bullock's floor. That's why she falls down the stairs. Oh, oh you can kind of tell. Yeah, you can kind of tell that was cut out. Yeah, she goes, whoa! Yeah. Okay. Right as she slips on the spaghetti, as yeah. you do when you slip on spaghetti. Sure. Brendan Fraser is hell of an actor. Um, <laughs> just some generic white guy? He's just, I mean, again, <laughs> part of it's the script, but Brendan Fraser is so goddamn bad in this. And I mean, like, I never thought of Brendan Fraser as a great actor. Although, I've heard he's, he was in that, that FX show about, um, it, it was it was like the TV show version of the movie that Kevin Spacey was in that he got aged uh, up to be uh, oh. John, John Paul Getty, I think his name is. And then they cut his scenes and put Christopher Plummer. I heard Brendan Fraser's good in the TV show version of it. So, good for him. But he's so bad in this. There's a line where he's like, find Flanagan, will ya? Is, and then Flanagan is Willem Finkter's character later, who's actually a pretty good character. It's actually a good scene. But uh, he's so bad in this. Also, why would the DA's car being stolen be such a big story? He's so concerned about, like... The optics yeah, of it. Yeah, the optics of it. And and uh, it's just like, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. That's just me. Um, I thought it was funny that Ludacris is a rapper, but doesn't like hip-hop. Kind of funny. Uh... Oh, it's weird when he hit the 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 driver of the white van. It wasn't like he was that distracted. It wasn't like sometimes you see movies where people hit someone and you know like they're having a, a, a heated conversation or they're getting roadhead or something. Uh, and and this one, he's just he's just kind of like looking ahead and still hits him somehow. Or that he ends up that lodged into the body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially because the sound sounds like someone rolling over the like the sound sounds like someone rolling over the car and then he's under the car. I don't know. No, I'm not a. I'm not an expert on hitting people with cars. You're just a, a dedicated amateur. Yeah, I dabble. Yeah, you know. I'm just. Yeah, I'm just tossing out some other notes here. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so Cheadle, uh, Don Cheadle throws out. So he he goes to his mom's house. This is a totally unnecessary little beat in the scene. He opens the fridge, smells her milk that was in the fridge. It's it's gone bad. He doesn't try to dump it out. He just throws the whole thing into the garbage can in the kitchen. Like, doesn't bring it outside. I don't think his mom, who is a drug addict and who's, like, barely uh, coherent, is taking the garbage out anytime soon. That's just up on that smell factor. That is not helping things. At least keep it in the fridge so that keeps the door closed. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he's trying to make some some yogurt. (laughs) That's true. In the garbage can. Frankly, is where most yogurt belongs. Hot take. Well, not a yogurt fan. I think a thick, like a Greek yogurt, it's fine, but you need to add something to it on its own. No, thank you. What about a tzatziki? Oh, I fuck with the tzatziki, but I think the trick is part yogurt, part sour cream. And I'm not a sour Hmm. cream fan, but it adds a nice little tang. Interesting. Much like NASA did in the 70s. Brought it to space. Add a nice little tang. I also just, Jack, sidebar, I heard your episode of Real First Time, uh, where you talked about The Shining. And it was really good because the reason I bring that up is because you mentioned in The Shining when they're, when Jack is in the storage closet and there's Tang visible. So that made me think of that. But I just want to say, good job. I enjoyed that episode a lot. Thank you. And a shout out to Real First Time for having me. If you haven't listened to that, it's a very good podcast. Former guests, David Bone and Emma Warglet. I just recently guessed on an episode. Check that out. Uh, I don't really have any other big notes. Uh, I do think that it's, it's nice that Ludacris really gets the final scene in the movie, though. Um, I don't know if that is just Paul Haggis understanding that he's got something here with this this great kid, Ludacris, and he gives him that scene where it's not a very um, positive scene for him. He he, he lets he lets the... Chinaman. 
I was going to say uh, traffic Cambodians. Uh, he lets them free, which is nice, and then gives them 40 bucks, or one of the 40 bucks to get everyone chop suey, I think, or beef chow mein, maybe. It was chop, chop suey. suey. It was chop suey? Okay. Uh, and he, but he, the first time, he's, he's just frowning the whole movie, but at the end, he feels like he did something good, so he smiles a little bit. He gets that nice little, that little moment. Yeah, that really was what I think Paul Haggis wanted the whole audience to do, to be like, oh, look. I gave emotionally $40 for someone to get chopped suey. <laughs> so now I can smile because I'm not a racist either. And that Which was the end of the movie. Could have been the extra end of the movie, I guess. But I forgot. There's one other scene where the um, the health insurance benefits worker who got into an argument with Matt Dillon's character, uh, she also hits, uh, crashes into someone with her car and is racist as well. So, yep. Everyone's so, racist. Everyone's racist. I think that I think that that sums up the movie. There's a whole fart thing that I'm not even going to get into. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think that's if you watch the movie, you'll see it. There's a weird fart aside that's totally out of place. But I think let's just end it here. Everyone's racist, and this movie sucks. And that's Crash. That's Crash. But I do have a little quiz for you guys related to Crash. You know, I love All a right. quiz. You know, like this is a, I call it my, my I call myself Quiz Anonymous. I'm QAnon here, coming at you with a great quiz. And uh, so, as you both know, Crash won Best Picture of the 2006 Oscars for the 2005 year, and it was certainly a controversial choice, and again, revisiting it, it's even more controversial. Uh, but it was not necessarily that poorly reviewed at the time. Roger Ebert gave it four stars, I believe, and a lot of people had it. I think he had it as, actually, I think he had it on his list for the number one movie of the year. Yeah, I think he wrote an article called In Defense of... Crash or yeah. something like that. Um, but the other movies that were nominated for Best Picture that, in theory, people they could have won, you know, they had different levels of, of, of uh, critical analysis, too. So here's my quiz for you guys. I'm going to name, just as a reminder, the uh, five movies that were nominated for Best Picture that year that Crash won. And I want you guys to put in order, I want you to each take a stab at it, put in order what you think was the highest to lowest as far as their their current Rotten Tomato score. So, so those current, will evolve current over tomato time. meter. Right, current tomato meter score, not the, not the critical analysis, not the audience meter, uh, but I want you guys to put those in order. So I'm going to name them here in alphabetical order. Let me make sure. Uh, Brokeback Mountain, then Capote, then Crash, then Goodnight and Good Luck. And then Munich. So I want you to put that from the highest score to the lowest score, and we'll see who gets closest. Dave, do you want to go first? Do you want to go second? Uh, I will defer, and right. you go first. I'm going to talk this through real quick. Good night and good luck. I feel like probably killed it out the gate. It had to have been pretty crit- critically acclaimed, but I feel like it would age well. Sure. I feel like that's going to do well. Okay. I feel like Munich, probably good out the gate, probably hasn't aged as well. So I feel like that one may have dropped, depending on how people, how much people have re-reviewed. Okay. Capote, Philip Seymour Hoffman, kills it. Good movie, but I, I think it's it really comes down to how you feel about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay. And then the last one was... Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain, which I actually haven't seen, based on my general understanding of the plot of the movie. But also, it came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. We haven't come that far in this country, but we've come a little bit further. I feel like there could still be some weird gay panic about the movie that might hurt it a little bit. Sure. I'm going to go in order. Okay. Good Night and Good Luck, number one. Okay. I'm going to say Brokeback Mountain, number two. Okay. Are we including Crash or excluding Crash? Include Crash, yes. Okay. Uh, I will then go Capote. 
Okay. Crash Munich. Some good logic there. I like that. Dave. Well, I'm uh, slightly too be uh, ashamed because I have not seen the vast majority, if not all of these movies. So this is going to be a shot in the dark. That's fair, man. You know, sometimes people, (laughs) when they're... They're Super Bowl squares with shots. Yeah, yeah. Or an NCAA tournament pool based yeah. on uniforms. Yeah, that's a better analogy. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have known that this would have been about more movies, but I'm not actually a movie person. Okay. In fact, um, so I'm gonna go uh, Capote number one. Okay. Munich. I will go Crash. Okay. Um, Brokeback Mountain. Okay. And then I can't remember the other movies. Good night. Good luck. Good night. Good luck. You put that last. I'll put that last. All right. I will say, neither of you got it exactly right, but I will say, Jack, you were close. All right. So, here is the... So, congratulations. You got another quiz. You're like 96 to go or something. 96 before I have to get the tattoo. Yep. Yeah. So, the order was... Uh, good night and good luck was first with 93%. Capote was second with 90%. Okay. Uh, Brokeback Mountain, third with 87%. Munich, fourth with 78%. And Crash still on the current day, 74%. Still very solid Rotten Tomatoes so I, score. I flip-flopped two and three and four and five. Yes. Gotcha. What? Nice job. Not very, bad. Very good run. Yeah, I feel all right about that. Good little quiz there. One step closer to that tattoo. I can't wait. And, I'm yeah. gonna, I, and I get to give it to you, right? I get to like, get a tattoo. Yeah, you can at least do the outline, and then sure. we'll have someone professionally fill it. Yeah, I, it just takes too long. I'll be bored. All right. Well, Crash may have been ham-fisted, but it's turkey season Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and we know that you've got a meal to plan. That's why we've got a little segment called Mouths to Feed. Stop moving so slow. I got mouths to feed. Hurry up and let's go. I got mouths to feed. So the way Mouths to Feed works is simple, as all our games are. We know that Thanksgiving at this point, sometimes it gets a little bit boring. Sometimes you want to jazz it up, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to play a game here where we are going to take the traditional Thanksgiving dinner and add our own little twist to it. So... We are going to go around, and we are going to each take a turn for three rounds, and you can make three different moves to the traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, Jack, what are those moves? One of those moves? You can add something to the Thanksgiving dinner. So you're talking like a new side, a new meal, or a new entree. Yeah, if you want to add cotton candy, you can add cotton candy. I don't recommend it, but you could do it. Okay. What's move number two? Move number two? You can add a new twist to a classic. So you might take something that already exists and change it up? You might do that. I would say that that's a good summary for it. Okay. And what's move number three? Move number three, you can take something that's on the menu, whether we've added it or it's part of the traditional Thanksgiving, and wipe it out. So it could be a classic Thanksgiving side, like mashed potatoes or sweet potatoes, or it could be one of our new twists. Uh, versions of a classic or new introduction altogether and we can just cut those out of Thanksgiving? You can cut those out. (laughs) That sounds great. It's going to be wild. And when we're done, we're going to have the definitive Bruticris Thanksgiving menu. You ready for that? I'm ready for it. All right. I think it's only fair that, Dave, as our guest, you can opt to go first or if you want to close us out, I'm going to give you the option. No, I think I'm going to opt to go first, actually. Okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you for the options, though. All right. So which... Move are you going to use for your first pick? Um, I'm going to go eliminate. Oh, and right off the bat, this is a a food item that I just absolutely don't understand, and it's sweet potato casserole. The marshmallows, the mushiness on top of mushiness, uh, 
has no place on my Thanksgiving table or any American or any Bruticus fans table, if you ask me. So. Do you like sweet potatoes in general? No. Okay. When someone offers me sweet potato fries instead of regular fries, I It's a just, downgrade. It's yeah, not it's, good. Some people love it. I'm insulting me. And usually it's an upcharge, too. Yeah. I like a sweet potato fry. I'm not against sweet potatoes. It was actually something I was considering for a change em up. I don't Ooh. think I'm going to. All right. In my personal Thanksgiving table, have started switching it up. Uh, take your sweet potatoes, mash them up, add some garlic, and then don't go sweet. Don't add sweet on top of sweet. That's wrong. Get a whole bunch of red curry paste, mix it into your sweet potatoes, and then just broil the top so it crisps up a little bit. It's a much better way to do sweet potatoes. Is this your move? Is this your twist on the No, this is just this- my advice to the amateur home luda chef. For my first move, Wait. I'm going to... Add a twist to an old favorite. Oh, baby. I'm going to twist the traditional sage stuffing into my favorite stuffing, cornbread stuffing Mm. with jalapenos, poblanos, and andouille sausage. Ooh. That's the way to do it. Yeah. You got got a lot going on. Got a lot of flavor. You need some spice to cut through all the heaviness. So much of Thanksgiving is just like savory on savory on savory. You need something to cut through it, and that'll do it. Okay. Are you roasting the peppers beforehand? Of course. Wow. That's, that's a dumb question. I'm, so, yeah, I'm sorry. That's good. That's, well, we have an elimination. We have a twist. I'm going to add something new. I'm going to move the third of our three moves. I'm going to add something new. And I'm going to add something that you don't really see a lot at Thanksgiving. And I can see why you wouldn't. But to me, it's such a perfect like fall to winter dish. I'm going to add... There's some delicious chili to Thanksgiving. I thought, why are there not more Thanksgiving soups? You know, you don't need to make a big soup, but you have a little ladle of soup with you. uh, And it's chili, it's not quite a soup, but you have a little ladle of soup with you, with your meal, or like as an appetizer as you start into your meal. That sounds good. And I feel like chili is a perfect addition. It's a good beef chili. It's a real winter food. Okay, you answered one of my two clarifying questions. One was type of meat. So you're talking about like a, a classic like beef chili with like tomatoes and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. My, the chili I make, I, I do make, I'm very proud of my chili uh, and I, I think it's one of my dishes I make the best. I do add, um, I add jardinera to it. Oh. You, have, you have to drain the uh, the oil out. oil out because there's too much vinegar to it. It's not too good, but I uh, add jardinera to it. I add red bell peppers to it. It's kind of a little twist. A few other things I'm not going to tell. There's some secrets. I wouldn't necessarily do that for Thanksgiving because I do want to like treat it to the whole audience there. I think a, a pretty standard, solid beef chili. I'm going to add that to, to my Thanksgiving dinner. Honestly, not opposed to it, but beans are no beans. I, I'm not passionate about it, but I know that a lot of Texans are very weird about their beans and the chili, so I just wanted to... They go no beans, right? They That's go right. no beans. Uh, my chili, I, I do generally just black beans only. I don't okay. do kidney or like chili beans. Okay. So that's kind of my go-to. Are you guys familiar with Cincinnati chili? Oh, I'm, I am. Unfortunately. Do you, do you call it... Is that technically a chili no. as well? No. All right. My, my to wife, me, it's a sauce. It's a, ch- it's a chili sauce. Yeah. My wife's from Detroit, and she is a strong proponent of Coney Dogs, mm. which is a Detroit thing, even though it's named after Coney Island in Brooklyn, New York, which is pure insanity. But it is a hot dog with with beanless chili and mustard on it. And I, you know, the first time I think I went back to Detroit with her after we started dating, uh, I had one, and it was horrible, and I'm, I literally will never have one again. But that reminds me of Cincinnati Chili. I've never had a proper official Detroit Coney dog. I do like a chili dog, but I like a kind of a normal, like the chili I would normally eat on it. I don't know how I feel about kind of a thin chili sauce. I will suspend judgment on it, but I like the idea of a chili at Thanksgiving. So Dave, you're next. 
You got your your next move. What are you thinking here? All right, I'm gonna go also with an ad. And, and by the way, I do like the ad of the chili because Thanksgiving football, a nice bowl of chilies yeah. while you warm up. Thank you. You know, I, and I'd love to try your chili one day. But I'm gonna add uh, an acidic component and Ooh. say that we need to add some chimichurri. Ooh, I would, for the turkey? Yeah, for the turkey, um, maybe for the ham if it's not a sweet ham. But I would really love to see a little bit more, um, yeah, depth to the turkey and Thanksgiving meal. And so I think a chimichurri would really kind of uh, liven it up and kind of cut through the monotony of traditional Thanksgiving food. And I think it'd go well with your stuffing, Jack. I like it. I like what you're thinking. And I'm going to go a similar route because I, I agree that... What Thanksgiving is lacking is brightness and sauces and things to add nuance or things you can add to other things. You really just have gravy. You can put gravy on damn near everything on a Thanksgiving plate. But that's it. That's your really your Thanksgiving sauce is just gravy. So I love the chimichurri. I love that. And I'm going to add to it an array of kimchi. Wow. Okay. Are you playing to me right now? No, I just love kimchi. Kimchi on anything, especially fried up. In some, like, you could fry that in some turkey fat. Okay. Just kind of fry it up and then do whatever you want with that. Put that on a sandwich the next day. It's going to be so good. I'm just trying to add heat and acidity and brightness to this meal. Kimchi will get us. Would you, so would you treat kimchi as its own side? Like, this something you eat on its own? Or would you try to, like, mix it in with something? Like, I feel like the chimichurri, like... You, chimichurri I, is clearly a sauce. But I think, like, that, like, on the turkey, that to me sounds amazing. But, like, how are you thinking of, like... I think it depends on the type of kimchi because I'm, I'm going full full array kimchi. So I want some like radish kimchi. I want some tr- like classic cabbage kimchi too. It depends on how you want to do it. I think you add the cabbage prop kimchi onto other stuff. The radish you probably just eat on its own as like a palate cleanser. Well, Jack, we'll uh, have to invite you to my Thanksgiving because at every Korean Thanksgiving, there is the American side of it. And then there's definitely the Korean oh, side wow. of it. And so the kimchi is just served on a bowl and oh. you just mix it in with anything. It's I'm really <laughs> all right. I wasn't. I'm not crazy here. Honestly, we should have started with a Korean Thanksgiving spread. Yeah, I wouldn't have had to burn a turn. So. Yeah. And the reason why I, I didn't mention it is because it's always at my table anyway. Yeah, it's so that's standard for you. Okay. All right. Well, for my move, I'm gonna pull an elimination card, and it's a thing that I think just doesn't fit on the. It's it's a staple of Thanksgiving. It does not fit on the Thanksgiving plate, and that's either cranberry sauce or just cranberries. I don't like the idea of mixing, even even in a very like homogenized fruit like that, with all my savory items. I say, get the hell out of here, cranberries. Get out of here and, and take the bus you came in on. Dave. I will say um, an, another ad is, um, not it's not called pudding. It's uh, like an, an English roast. They have kind of that like popover. Oh, it's a, a Yorkshire pudding. A Yorkshire pudding, yes. And I have personally never had a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> but you're adding it? And I'm adding it. Wow. Like, I've watched a number of YouTube videos of people making them, and they just look like a croissant on steroids. And yeah. I think that would be a nice uh, bread component to the overall dish. And so you're not adding this as a dessert, because I'm not really too familiar with Yorkshire pudding. Is it's, it's, no, uh, no, it, it, it is pudding in the British sense, which could mean damn yeah, near anything. Sure. Basically a popover. Yeah. So if you've had a popover, you've had it. Um, they're very, very light. They're actually not that hard to make. The trick is screaming hot muffin tin. It does itself. Yeah, the one thing that stopped me is I don't own a muffin tin. Not a fan of muffins. Cool. So we got Yorkshire pudding as an ad. Jack? This is tough. This is tough because I was, I was going to do a twist. But Mike made a move that I cannot abide. 
I'm going to re-add cranberry sauce, Jeez. but specifically homemade cranberry sauce. It's made from actual cranberries. The canned shit, get it out of here. I'm with you on that. No on the need. bus it came in on. On the bus it came in on, and then Ludacris will see it on the bus. He's riding at the end of Crash going the other direction. Ugh. Get out of here, cranberry sauce, if you're out of a can. But homemade cranberry sauce can be done right. And I will go to bat for it because you need it on that Thanksgiving sandwich the next day. No, oh, you hard, need that. Hard disagree. Hard you disagree. need that. But the trick is red wine, black pepper, don't add too much sugar, just enough to temper down the aggressive tartness of the cranberries. That's the way to go there. I'm adding cranberry sauce bacon. I, I got to agree with that, too, because I made my first homemade cranberry sauce and used a lot more spices to it. So it wasn't as sweet and it was a really nice component to the overall. Meal. Yeah. Give me some cinnamon in there. Yeah. You can throw some jalapeno in there if you want. It'll work. Add some chilies in there. I don't know. The sweet and spice, it just doesn't quite do it. You won't get the spice. There's too much sugar, You but you'll get the grassiness of the jalapeno more than anything else. Fair enough. All right. It would be funny if I eliminated it again. <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of why I did it, was to really force your hand. You're like, are you going to eliminate it twice? No, you've sold me on a better cranberry sauce. I think our family didn't go with the can normally, so yeah, I might not still be a staple on my plate, but I'll let you leave it in. Um, I'm going to add... We don't even want twist. I think about twisting something, I just couldn't think of anything. So I'm going to add something to... We haven't really talked too much about dessert yet. That's why I asked about Yorkshire pudding if it was more of a dessert, but it seems like more of a savory dish. So I'm going to add a dessert. It's a little, I think it's a little weird one, but again, it just feels to me like fall for whatever reason. Even though it's it's a cold dessert, it still feels to me like fall. It's kind of got a, a, a something of a spice taste to it. And I'm going to add root beer floats. And the reason I'm going to add a root beer float to Thanksgiving dinner is because I think, you know, we have such a heavy meal. You have such a heavy... Uh, you even like pies and stuff. And I'm not saying you take those out. I clearly am not eliminating that. But I think that root beer float just seems to me just a nice, just like refreshing palate cleanser at the end. Mike, I don't use this term lightly. But you're a goddamn genius. I will have a root beer float this year around Thanksgiving. We're doing kind of a Friendsgiving thing. So I don't know if I can do it the day of. But that weekend, I'm having a root beer float. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. You know what's funny is that I don't personally like root beer. But in a root beer float, it's, uh, it's a beautiful combination of two things. I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't seek it out, but yeah. root beer float, oh boy, that sounds good. I've never heard such a nuanced take on root beer ever, and both of you share that. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't I like mind. It. I don't dislike it. It's not something I seek out. All right. So let me do a quick summary. It's just what we're doing here. Eliminating sweet potato casserole. See ya, sweet pea. Uh, we are adding a twist of sage stuffing. We're adding some andouille, jalapeno, poblano, and bell peppers. Welcome to the game, new and improved. We're adding chili. Hot, 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 hot. We are adding chimichurri sauce to our turkey. Ooh, that sounds real good. Uh, we're adding kimchi. Uh, yummy. Uh, we're eliminating cranberry sauce. Maybe for a moment. We'll come back to it. Uh, we're adding Yorkshire pudding. Don't still quite know what it is, but sounds interesting. We are re-adding cranberry sauce, but homemade right. this time. Welcome back on that bus you came in on. That bus is back in the depot. And we are adding a root beer float. And you know what? That sounds to me like an interesting new Thanksgiving dinner. I tell you what. That's a meal I could be thankful for. Let's feed some mouths with mouths to feed. That's Ben. Mouths to feed. Yeah. Stop moving so slow. I got mouths to feed. Hurry up and let's go. I got mouths to feed. Well... I'm thankful for that bit. I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for Ludacris and 
Dave, I'm thankful that we had you here on this Thanksgiving episode. I'm thankful that Mike invited me, and uh, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, do you have anything you want to plug while you're here? Yeah, I'd like to uh, plug an app called Schmiel, and Schmiel is an app that's only local to Chicago, unfortunately, at the time, but Schmiel is a network of home cooks, and people are able to buy their food for $8 a meal. Uh, What you do is you have the app, you're able to look on the map or look at the schedule of people cooking meals. You're able to select the meal, and then you, as the consumer, have to go pick it up at their house. But it creates this nice little community of local eaters. And I cook on the app occasionally, but it's just, um, yeah, it's a great, fun way to meet new people. Um, I've had repeat customers now. And so Schmeal, S-H-M-E-A-L, is the app. And it's a great way to, um, yeah, support local cooks. That's such a great idea. I love that. That's a great idea. Never heard of that. Never heard of it. I love to home cook, so that's great. What's your? Do you have a specialty on on your uh, your home cooking app? Um, people really like the Korean side of my cooking. I really love to make fresh pastas, so gnocchi is something that I love to do, nice. especially with the cold weather and doing kind of a braised red sauce with like a short rib is something I really love to eat in the winter time. So speaking my language, I would order that. Yeah, get my schmeal app going. I think I'm getting my schmeal going right now. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. That sounds great. Well, cool. Again, thanks so much for joining. I'll see you tomorrow at work. Um, And yeah, that kind of wraps it up for us. So, you know, as always, we want to ask you, please follow our social media. Follow us at Bruticris on Instagram and Twitter. And find us on Facebook as well, please. And you know what? On top of that, if what? you could rate us five stars on iTunes, that would be wonderful. That helps. And e- you can email us, too. You can email us at brudacrispod at gmail.com. And Dave, I'm going to see you at work tomorrow, too. Surprise. <laughs> Perfect, because I didn't want to go in anyway. Well, actually, no. Hey, well, that, how, he was still- well, I was going to say that. Maybe you'd sub in. Uh. I am like stunt double. That's, yeah, why, that's, that's why. It's the only reason I have a beard. Yeah, and I do have some plans tomorrow for some little pyro work. Yeah, you're doing some sick stunts lately in the yeah. office, and people really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you yeah. for giving your body up to this cause. You're welcome, and thank you, our audience, for giving your ears to this cause. Uh, it's been another fun episode, Dave. Again, thank you so much. It's been a, a really fun time. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. If you're listening to this before Thanksgiving, if you're listening to this after Thanksgiving, fuck you. Yeah. Should have listened to it earlier. Yeah. You dick. Yeah. All right. Actually, no. I have one final request to our, our legions of Bruticris fans, which, oh, yeah, another thing we need to do this season is name our fans club. We need to do that. Yeah, that's true. We keep saying that, and then we never do yeah. it. But I do want you to, at the dinner table, when you inevitably talk about politics or things like that, you know, when you're starting to get bugged by all your your family drama, you know what you got to do? Just crank up the Ludicrous podcast, make those punks listen to it and dig into your chimichurri turkey because you're gonna have a good ass meal yeah you're gonna have a good ass meal and if you're having a good ass meal and you do take some of our recommendations tag us in the photo yeah i would love to see that it'll be fun we'll rate your meal you better bring it better five stars all right thanks a lot everybody we will catch you, catch you next week for another episode of Breed chris see you later Bye bye